And we're back with another episode of the Buckley on Air show. It's yours truly, Derek Buckley Jr. Don't forget the junior, also known as Buckley on Air. I'm here with my good friend, Alex. How are you doing today? Doing good. So uh, previously on our episode, uh, previous episode, we spoke about the draft, the pre- um, what happened after and how we were definitely 100% wrong on what we thought would happen. And so now free agency has ended. All the chips have fallen where they may. There may be some trades during the regular season, but as of right now, this is what the teams are going into the season with. And I want to know what you think about the free agency moves that have happened so far. Uh, since the last time we've talked, we've had, there's been a couple, tra- there's been like one major trade and that was the John Wall for uh, Russell Westbrook trade. I mean, when I first saw it, I just thought of like, you know, the, the good metaphor, we've all seen that movie Titanic when the ship's going down and they're still moving the deck chairs. Russell Westbrook and John Waller essentially, don't get me wrong, in their primes, two of the best point guards I've ever seen in my lifetime. John Wall coming off a major injury and Russell Westbrook, 32. Houston needed to make a move and it was probably the only move that was, that they could make to get a player of relatively same capabilities. I mean, I don't think it was a, an improvement for either team, but I'm I think that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, I'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I think that the Rockets got the better deal, um, partially because I think John Wall is going to play better than Russell Westbrook this coming season. I know it's to be seen and nobody has actually seen him play well, but personally speaking, I think that he'll actually have a better season. Um, And ultimately also when you have players, when you do a trade, you always go with the player that's the better player. And for me, I think the better player, at least fit-wise, is John Wall. He shoots better than Westbrook. I didn't see how Westbrook was going to help the Rockets win. I think having Boogie Cousins there also helps with John Wall with some chemistry. You have somebody. If you didn't play with anybody or have any familiarity with anybody else before, you have familiarity with with Boogie. Well, that's saying a lot. I is that are you saying that because you don't believe in the D'Antoni system that much and you like what the new coach is bringing in, or do you think the pieces are better? A little bit of both. Um, I never really believed in the D'Antoni system past Phoenix. I think that system fit with the players they had there. I I believe that the NBA is going to start reverting back to the big men and not so much that it's solely oriented around them, but having a good big man is going to be very pivotal going forward. I think Boogie, if healthy, he's going to be a good addition to that team. I think John Wall's fit is better suited for Harden to be successful because his style of play most recently has not been a championship type of basketball. You can't play ISO basketball and expect to win. Kobe said it. I don't see why why he wants to continue to do that if every time he gets to the postseason, they falter. Yeah, I know, and that's always been the biggest uh, glaring weakness on uh, Harden's resume. Yeah, he lights it up in the regular season. He'll give you a 35 every night if he can. But um, I don't know if you read that report that came out uh, earlier this week uh, by ESPN about how Harden pretty much is the team in Houston. Right. Uh, that's what I call it. Yeah, they run the offense through him. They stat – I mean, not that stat padding is, like, horrible thing, mm-hmm. but it, I think that – I think Harden definitely reads what us, you know, people in the YouTube comments say about, you know, how he's better than Wade and Kobe because he puts up crazy numbers and he wanted to keep up those numbers further out his career. And 
And I think for him to transition into a winning player, he's going to have, like you say, stop playing the hero ball, the ISO ball, and uh, really drop his points per game and and include, uh, make his efficiency go up on less touches. I don't think that's within that's in his game. I mean, I don't think it's in been in his game. I think the most success as an individual as well as the team came with the. Kevin McHale and Dwight Howard when he was playing that solid play where he didn't have the ball solely in his hands. For me, I liked his him his style of play and the way he played then a lot more than I did when he started doing the D'Antoni system. To be successful, he's going to have to play very similar to how Bradley Bill and some of the other two guards, Booker, play in the league where they play off the ball and have success playing off the ball. Because for that team to be successful, if he's more efficient, they win way more games you can't pound the ball and then throw it to the corner and expect that guy to shoot the ball and make it every possession and then like you said the team has been i wouldn't say gutted but it's definitely been rearranged it won't it won't work that style of play with the with the guys they got they got rid of robert covington trying to think uh did they did they bring back trevor reza i'm not certain yeah about it was that. A, they did but they ended up trading him away anyways Man, that guy is just getting passed around more than a burger at a fat guy restaurant i don't know i'll stop on that one <laughs> uh that's it called i think Harden remains to be seen if he's even on the rockets to be honest with you i i think he'll start the season there and i mm-hmm. uh, i know i as a fat guy shouldn't be making fat guy jokes but he was looking like thick ross out there i mean that is true he he's he's got to get himself in shape and i do think mentally he's not there and personally speaking, I have an issue with it because the Rockets have done everything they can to put him in position to win a championship. And ultimately, they've fallen short. And some of that's been his fault. Some of it hasn't been. But you have a new coach. And for me specifically, being African-American, you have an African-American coach. We don't get a lot of opportunities to coach in the NBA. I don't see why you would not give him the best opportunity to, to succeed. Also, it's been his home for the past eight years. Like, moving sucks. That's why I'm back with my parents. <laughs> That's it called. Uh, you don't want to really uproot and go to a whole new city and learn a new playbook right as soon as the season starts. I mean, I know he's talented enough to come in and be the leading scorer on pretty much every team in the NBA, minus, minus the Lakers. And... So it's not really much of him not being able to fit in, but will the team fit in around him? And uh, I don't know. He should. He owes it to Houston, and he's still under contract, so they don't have to move him. But he owes it to them at least give it a shot. I agree, and and that's another thing where I feel like he's being selfish. Where he's he's obviously you need to be selfish in business, and I understand. Um, you you not wanting to go or play where you don't want to play and you want to go to a specific organization where you feel like you're going to win but no matter where you are it doesn't guarantee you winning you were in Houston you could have you had Chris Paul 0 for 27 for three that was could have been your opportunity to win the championship you guys didn't you guys didn't change the game and you didn't take initiative as a star player to make things change but um, don't want to spend all the time on James Harden, so I want to switch gears 
to some of the other free agency moves. What did you think? I know we spoke about the Gordon Hayward situation and him not deserving the money, but how do you feel about it now that he's fractured a bone in his hand? Yeah, I, I love the guy, but ever since, like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't remember him being injury proof and injury prone in Utah or Butler. But ever since he, he tried to catch that love from Kyrie, it's been bad luck after bad luck from him. And uh, I mean, what is it? He broke his pinky finger. I mean, he'll be fine. I, I love MJ. I think he's the greatest player of all time. We'll, we'll have that debate another time. He's definitely the worst GM I've ever seen, though. <laughs> I, I concur. I, I definitely agree. And he's been very injury prone for whatever reason it is. I'm not sure. Like you said, I don't remember him being that injury prone in Utah. So to me, it, it, it just makes it look even worse. Like you give this man money and he's already going to miss the start of the season. I think he'll give more touches to Mikhail Bridges, who I think is going to be uh not that he's better than gordon hayward right now but i think i'm very excited to see bridges that guy's athletic if he can miles. get a shot down yeah Ma- I mean, miles is super and, athletic and then the uh the graham guy i forget his his first name but i remember the last game before the shutdown he gave my heat buckets he gave him like 35 points i was just like who is this guy and then I'll never forget. I tweeted, I, I really can't wait to not see this, the heat play this guy ever again. And then like 10 minutes later, the league shut down. I was like, oh, I thought I cursed the league. <laughs> nah. I mean, Devonte Graham, I remember seeing him in college. I never really thought that he'd be this good in the NBA um, being an undersized point guard, but he's definitely been putting up numbers. And I think that for the Hornets, mine is that particular free agency move. They've got some some decent pieces, young pieces that'll they'll fight every night. They probably won't win games, but they'll fight. I like them going forward in like three to four years, but that doesn't fit into the Gordon Hayward, you know, contract. It doesn't. So I I, I don't under I know I never understood why you get you give that guy 120 million dollars for what 18 points per game. I mean I don't see it. I think he's a great guy. Great, what's it called? All around role model. I've like I've read into his story with his children and his wife. Like, you know, he's a good he's a good guy to have on your team. There's no, no nothing wrong about him as a person. But uh, I just don't see a hundred twenty million dollar player in him. All right, I I agree. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, in in terms of free agency, and we kind of spoke about it and what we thought might happen, and we were both wrong um Giannis he signs his big contract and he decides to say what do you what do you feel about it I mean as a Heat fan I'm disappointed not that I'm disappointed in the fact that I had any right to to you know be optimistic that he would play the season and then opt out or not opt out but you know become a free agent I he didn't owe Miami fans any any reason to just play out the rest of his contract and to be honest, I am not surprised considering you know, he has 256 million reasons why to stay in Milwaukee. And he, he could not offer that. And, uh, and maybe it's just me getting over, you know, the five steps of grief, but I'm starting to think Giannis probably was not even the best fit in Miami going forward, even though a possible top 10 player all the time when, all, when everything's said and done. 
I'm not even willing to go that far with the top 10 all time. Um, but I, I agree in terms of him being for, uh, fit for Miami. I kind of was questioning it. I felt like in terms of him leaving the Bucks, they might have been the best fit because of the system and the style of play that they do have. And I believe that he's a very heat culture type of guy. Um, but he's a very loyal guy. And I, I like to see it. Um, we don't see enough superstars staying with their organization and trying to win with that particular team. And the fact that the Bucks did everything that they could, even though they didn't get the Bogdanovich kid, they still did everything in their power to make some moves to keep him and satisfy him. And I think that bodes well for him and his confidence in them going forward in the future. They did the exact opposite of what Cleveland did in 2010. They never, Cleveland just assumed LeBron didn't have the uh, balls, I guess I can say that, to leave Cleveland. (laughs) Uh, They, I remember they could have had Amari Stoudemire at the trade deadline, but they kept JJ Hickson. And, uh, and then they tried to do desperate, like try to desperately fire Mike Brown and bring in Aaron Scott to keep LeBron. And, uh, Overall, just not putting the team together for him. No one could ever blame LeBron leaving Miami. It was the right decision. Right. I mean. uh, I I do like what what you said, Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks put put together. They did their best to put together a team around him. The Bogdanovich thing, I would say, is 25% their fault. It's definitely the Kings' fault for trying it. Also, I I don't get why Bogdanovich wouldn't want to play in Milwaukee with Giannis, but rather – you know, be the starting two guard in Atlanta, even though they are cooking up something nice down there. Eric Bloodstone was like the sixth man for the Heat that series. I'll never forget. He couldn't. He let Tyler Hero cook him. He let Goron beat him off the dribble every time. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Seven years ago, you couldn't find a bigger Eric Bloodstone fan than me when he was in Phoenix. I think he's mm-hmm. lost the athleticism with uh, as time goes on. He's not what he was in Phoenix. And uh, he never developed that shooting game that we thought he would develop. I agree. And for me, I, I'm, I'm with you on that train. I kind of liked him in Phoenix, and I thought he was a little underrated. And maybe he was rated right about where he deserves to be because since being with Milwaukee in the playoffs, he's been outplayed by guys who aren't as good as him or better than him. Like Tyler Hero, right now, he's a good young player, but he's not better than Bledsoe currently. Terry Rozier. He, he isn't, cool. but he had a better series. Oh, he definitely did. And he had a great playoff. So I don't, I don't, I don't say that to take anything away from Tyler Harrow, but my, my thought process is the fact that you're, you're getting outplayed by younger players with less experience who aren't better than you. Like Terry Rozier essentially got paid off of that playoff series against Milwaukee to the extant where Bledsoe's like, who is Rogier? But you're, you're I remember that. You know, that's that, I know I'm getting off topic with Scary Terry here, but that's that's another kind of flex where you wear a, a Drew Bledsoe jersey to spike Eric Bledsoe. Now that that's a different kind of flex. I mean, I can't knock them, especially when you're you're out playing them and it showed in the playoffs. So. I'm not hating on it. I, I like it. No, I like I'm it. not hating on it at all. I, that, that, that's some Jedi mind tricks if I've ever seen one. 
Oh, absolutely. So speaking of free agency, those were really like the biggest splash moves. We already spoke about Chris Paul uh, in a previous episode. It, who do, what move do you think will define a team season the most? If you could pick one free agency move. Uh, out of all the free agency moves, I, it's easy to go with the Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns team, a, t- a team that went eight and zero in the bubble, and you know is right is right on the cusp of you know being in the playoffs. Honestly, should have been in the playoff in the playing game as much as I love John Morant, mm-hmm. and I think they're special. Uh, I, I think we can see a lot from Chris Paul, like how he did that first year in Houston, where what's it called? There was a lot of doubts of whether him and uh, James Harden would work. And instead they worked even better than what anybody's best optimistic look could have been. They made it work. They made that work. And I really think him and Devin Booker will make it work. That being said, uh, best free agency move. I, I like this move a lot because it was just, you know, dire circumstances. But I think the, uh, the what's it called? The Warriors getting Kelly Oubre for pretty much nothing to, right after the Clay Thompson injury. I, I, I'm a big believer in the Warriors. Everybody's writing them off. I wouldn't. I think that's fair. Um, having Kelly as well as having Andrew Wiggins, I think both of those players can make up for the absence of Clay. And Steph still is Steph Curry. So I think that's something to look forward to. And James Wiseman, even though he's still trying to catch up and get in shape to play this season, having him as well, I think he hasn't played any preseason games. He'll come in in the fold, and I think he'll help them out as well. To me, the biggest move in free agency, and I think it's very underrated, is the Tristan Thompson to the Boston Celtics. I think people are rightfully giving Boston a lot of credit for that, especially seeing how Daniel Dayas just got worked by Bam in that series. I don't think Tristan Thompson is that player that we saw in those classic final series over and over again against the Warriors. Mm. I mean, I, I'm happy for him. He got out of Cleveland. I think he needed a new cha- a new start for his career. I don't think we're going to see 12 and 12 from Tristan Thompson, especially if he's going against Bam. I I think that's to be seen, but I do believe that getting him solidified them down low. I mean, the two moves that they did do, I think getting Jeff Teague was also huge as we see Kemba is going to be out for some time. But if I like being that I had to choose one and I'm only thinking of just the one, I feel like Tristan Thompson helps them so much by solidifying down low because bam, single-handedly beat them um, in a lot of different ways. It obviously wasn't like he led the team in scoring, rebounding, assisting, blocks, everything. But he did a lot of little different things, small things that may not show up on your stat sheet that affected the Celtics. Um, that I mean, he took in at game six. They were down one with five minutes left to go. And then he personally goes on like an 8-0 run and gets every rebound down the stretch. I mean, that's that was that defined that series for me. I mean, it ended the series. Well, even, I think I was, well even in that series, like you mentioned, with him in the, in the 8-0 run, that entire series, every time that the Celtics were losing, Bam very likely was on the court. When he got off the court and he was in foul trouble, that's when they started to come back. 
Yeah, that's when they made their runs. That's when they made their they spread the floor and it was easier to get the basket on that, and it was easier to drive. Bam right. was definitely the most important player on that series. One, I would think that it had something to do with coaches on the staff. Um, another thing that I would think that it had something to do with is weather. I'd rather live in Atlanta than live in the cold of Milwaukee. And I mean, I would I also would the music better. The music definitely better too. But I mean, it, it could have been a lot of factors. I'm not exactly sure what it is. He he may not have wanted to be a guy that like necessarily wanted to team up with guys. Um, but teach his own. I can't knock him or blame him for doing what he did. He also got paid there as well. And I, for me, I felt like their biggest hindrance in terms of the playoffs, even though a lot of blame goes towards Giannis, I think that Eric Bledsoe deserved a lot of blame on that team because when it came to you can't stop Giannis or Giannis is not doing well in the game, what was Bledsoe doing? He was doing nothing. He, he couldn't make his shots. He wasn't playing good enough defense. Like, he, he was definitely hurting that franchise a whole lot more in the playoffs than people acknowledge. Uh, Miami exposed Eric Bledsoe more than they exposed Giannis that series. They essentially, they put the box around Giannis and they said, you have one shooter. His name's Chris Middleton. You have no other shooters. Probably that would have been the most important player in the in the finals if he didn't get hurt. Probably so. And that's why I think having Tristan Thompson, somebody that can rebound with him, can defend him to a degree, it gives them more versatility and a better opportunity to excel and move past where they were last season, which is the conference finals, and give them a chance to play in the finals. I think it was the best move they could make with this, given their, their cap situation and the little available talent at that position in the final. So I'll give you credit. You're right. It was a good pick by them. I think it was, it was their, but it was the best move they can make. And honestly, probably the only move they could make. Which I, I got to give them credit for it because I, I think that being that it was the only move, I think that it was also the best. They could have tried to get somebody else, but I think he was the best option and they got the best option with what was available. Um, but speaking of these moves, I'm going to move towards the actual season. And I want you to give me some predictions on the season. Who do you got making the playoffs? And then who you got making the conference finals? All right. In my, for the playoffs, my top seeds are going to be the same as this year. There's going to be the Lakers, one in the West, and uh, the Bucks, one in the East. They're Bucks are because they're they're a regular season giant. Any given night, they can, you know, there. Me and you both know there's a difference between regular season and uh, postseason basketball. In regular season, you never play the same team back to back, so you don't have to game plan for that. I think the Bucks are meant to, you know, they're on pace. I know it's only a 72 game season, so but I still think they can win 53, 54 games, and which they were, which they probably won last year before the shutdown. And then the Lakers, who they they improved in every position. They lost some key players, and they replaced them with, I mean, some aging vets and Marcus All, and uh, not aging, but Dennis Schroeder. I I do like that pick for them. I I really do. I think they retooled pretty well and, and got Wesley Matthews. So I I do expect them to be the one seed. And then uh, 
here I'll, I'll i'll in my quickest i can do each eight teams all right so one are the bucks two i want to have the heat as the two seed i think they're going to con- consider considering the short off season they're going to be right in the full fo- uh right back in the flow three seed i'm going to have the nets I, they're too too much talent to not be any lower than to be any lower than that for the bucks i mean the not the, the boston celtics five toronto six uh this is going to be a little bit of a shock. I want to have Atlanta as the sixth seed. I really did like their offseason. Seven, Philly, it's going to take them a while to get that new system and everything down. I do like that they're probably going to be playing Tobias Harris at the power forward more often, which is where he should have been. But I understood they had Al Horford, so they needed to you know play him. And then at the eighth seed, it's going to be a battle for that eighth seed. It's usually reserved for the Orlando Magic, but I got the Wizards getting there with Russell and uh, Bradley Beal. Other side of the conference, too, is going to be the other L.A. team with uh, Kawhi and Paul Paul George. I think they have a a roaring comeback year. Uh, Three seed, uh, I want to have Denver just because they're they're just too big down low to really get bossed around in the regular season. Four seed, Utah, even though they didn't really do anything, they didn't lose much either. Five, uh, yeah, that's tough. Dallas, I'm gonna have Dallas there, providing uh, their European players stay healthy. Six is gonna be Houston, providing Houston uh, they don't trade James Harden. Seven is gonna be the Phoenix Suns, and the eight is the Warriors. It's going to be a surprisingly good eight seed. Okay, I like it. Tell me who you got in the conference finals. Conference finals is going to be the Battle of L.A. We got robbed of that this year. This time they they get their stuff together. They don't blow a 3-1 lead. And uh, and then in Eastern, I'm going to have the Bucks are going to get lucky. They don't have to play Miami until the, final, until the conference finals. And it's going to be Bucks heat. Okay, okay. I like it. Don't agree, but I like it. Um, and then in the finals, I have LA versus the Heat, but not the not the LA team from last year. Ah, you got the Clippers winning over. Clippers are gonna figure it out. Okay, I like it. So, uh, I have on the East side, I have the Bucks being the number one seed. I have the the Nets as the number two seed the Celtics as the three seed, the Sixers as the four seed, Heat at five. I have Indiana at six. I have the um, Wizards at seven and Hawks at eight. You know, I knew I forgot an Eastern Conference team in Indiana, but I'm going to just stick with my hot take. They're not making the playoffs. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. Um, I think a lot of teams would be vying for that, the five and down. In the West, I got the Lakers, number one. Clippers, number two, again. I have number three, the Blazers at number three. I have at number four, the Denver Nuggets. Five, got the Rockets. Six, I have, ooh, this is when it gets tough. Six, I have the Mavericks. Seven, I have 
the the Suns, and eight I have really tough Memphis. Memphis is a good. T- there are a bunch of teams, and it's always tougher in the West to make the playoffs than the East. Except maybe in 2019, it was the other way around. But every other year, it's always the West that's tough. And not that I forgot about Portland, but I remembered they were a bad team last year for the most part, and they didn't change. They got a lot of talent there now. They they got rid of Whiteside, and I, I think that's addition by subtraction. No disrespect to Whiteside, he's just more in, more interested in chasing blocks than playing winning basketball. Right. Um, but they were also – I, I love Damien. He's my boy. He's my favorite player that's never going to wear a Heat jersey, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I I just can't – I just can't for, keep forgetting. They lost a lot of losable games, and they didn't really change much of that culture. Hopefully I'm wrong. I want, I want them to be the three seed, but – well, here, here's some things that a lot of people don't necessarily factor in with that team. Nurkic was hurt all year. Zach Collins got hurt. Rodney Hood got hurt. They didn't get Trevor Ariza until after the trade deadline. And the only small forward guys that they had was Mello. And then they had Gary Trent Jr., who never really played minutes up until this past season. Anthony Simmons, Simon Simmons, however you pronounce it, he was a later addition in terms of the rotation and getting consistent minutes. Also, wasn't he a rookie last year? Not last year. He was a rookie the year. Ooh, yeah, the year before. He was a rookie the year before. Um, but in terms of him getting an opportunity to play, he hadn't really gotten that opportunity to really really play cj mccullum was bad it happens um but they dealt with a lot of injuries they had lost alfaruk aminu they lost more harkless so now this season they're coming in they got all those wing players they got ines Cantor back nurkis should be healthy set collins should be coming back so now you filled out your roster and they should be should be better but that's to be seen you know who's going to help in case, in, in, in worst case, Melo goes down. I don't want that to. Melo's one of my favorites all the time. Derek Jones Jr. is going to play. I hated to see him go, but I knew there was no way we were going to be able to keep him. That's my dude. And I, I think his game definitely blossomed in Miami. They got him to become more of a shooter. And he's more than just, you know, airplane mode. He's more than just a dunker. He can play great defense on the wing. Not consistently, but if you – the Heat would have him playing in crunch time, especially if uh, Bam was in foul trouble. And he, he has a credible athleticism, probably one of the top five in the NBA in terms of just pure athleticism. So th- they are a deep team. And I hope I'm – I hope when we're running this back in six months when they're in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I mean, you show, you I, show them this. I, I think that they can make – the the Western Conference Finals. I've been high on the Blazers. You know, I'm a big Dame's my favorite player in the league. Um, but it'll be to be seen. Um, so here's where I think it gets tricky with the predictions of who makes it. So based on my seating, the Nets and the Celtics would have to play each other. Um, I, that's what I'm going with. I got the Nets and the Celtics. Are the Celtics beating the Nets to play the Bucks in the 
conference finals. I got the Celtics winning that series and going to the finals. So you got Celtics on the East coming out. On the West, I have the Blazers playing in the conference finals against the Clip or playing in the semis against the Clippers. And then I got the, ooh, no, take that back. I have the Suns beating the Clippers in the first round. And, and then I believe those, the, the Blazers will beat the Suns, advance to the conference finals, facing the Lakers. And I'm not going to be biased. I got the Lakers going to the finals again, playing the Celtics. And I'm going to go with the Celtics winning that one. That, man, you, you just gave uh, what ESPN really wanted the finals to be last year. They, des- they desperately did not want Heat Lakers. They wanted that classic Lakers-Celtics finals last year. <laughs> I think matchup-wise, it would have been a better series. Um, but the, the one thing about matchups is the Heat were a matchup nightmare for the Celtics. But the I think the Lakers were more of a mismatch for the Heat. So And I think that the Celtics would have been able to match up with the Heat. The, um, the Lakers a little bit better. But I mean, if you, if you saw Bam giving work to Daniel Theus, what would Anthony Davis have done to him? <laughs> I mean, I think Anthony Davis is more sturdy, better offensively, so that he can make Bam work on both ends. Because uh, he's a good enough defender to make Bam work. I, I'm just I'm going back. If it was Lakers Celtics, well, you you saw what Bam uh-huh. did to Daniel Theus. What would what would Anthony Davis have done to Bam to Daniel Theus? For me, it was less about the the Tice and Davis matchup because I don't think that he would have been in a matchup. I think that having Tatum or Jalen Brown guarding LeBron would have done a little bit different because for the the Heat. If Jimmy, it was Jimmy Butler or nothing, essentially. Obviously, Gordon Dragic got hurt, all that. But it was essentially Jimmy Butler or nothing. And if you can't get him to give you something on offense, you're kind of stuck with the Celtics. They could put Tatum and Jalen Brown on LeBron. They both would do a decent job, and they get buckets on the other end. They they had better offensive wings, considering that Goron went down and he was our leading scorer in the playoffs. I, they would have had more options to score on the perimeter than they did. And that, that really, I mean, it was Jimmy Butler or nothing in those finals. I don't, I don't know if the Celtics even get two games against the Lakers though. They would have, they would have been good games. They wouldn't have been those blowouts that you saw in the first two games in the final game, but I don't know if the Celtics get to, but let's, uh, you want to do uh, award predictions? Let's do it. So I, I'll, I'll start. I feel like this is like a consensus one. I got MVP going to Luca. I just he's gonna take it hands down in my opinion. Um, rookie of the year. Dang, I, that was gonna be my hot take. <laughs> is that, I don't even feel like it's hot take. I feel like if you were to bet on it, you definitely won't make a lot of money if you bet on. Luka. I know he's probably got really good odds. He, he's too great. So you were gonna go with Luca MVP. I was gonna go look at MVP because yeah, Westbrook kind of set the what set the bar a couple of years ago when he his team finished as a six seed, but he still got the MVP for getting the triple double. Not that I think Luca was is gonna do a triple double, but I do think he's gonna put up he's gonna be like a twenty eight nine and nine guy, and he's just gonna be the best show 
in and out every night, the the most watched thing, the must watch thing every night. Absolutely. Um, who would you have at Dark Horse for MVP? Dark Horse at MVP. It depends on how good he is, but it, how good the team does. Could be Steph. It could if if he plays, you know, kind of like how he did in his MVP years. I know Clay's not there to help spread the floor. But if he can carry that team and get him to a, a six seed or above in the Western Conference, he should be in the in the topic for MVP. That's fair. I, I'm if I had to pick a dark horse, it's a little toss up ish for me. And I feel like I, I sound biased by saying this, but it's between Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. I think that Devin Booker being put on a in a platform to win games and meaningful games, playing and potentially go to the playoffs. He puts up like the numbers that he's been putting up these past couple of seasons. People might look at him and go, "Oh, you deserve a little bit of more MVP votes." And I think Dame's gonna have a phenomenal season, and his team's deeper than they had been last year, even the year before. So he might actually get a. If he get gets a- that free seed, like you like you're saying he would, he should be a top three MVP candidate. I'll give you that. Absolutely. And- uh, the only problem I have with Devin Booker being your MVP candidate is, is he even the MVP of his own team? It I might think, be Chris Paul. I don't think that Chris Paul is the MVP. I, I, w- I would view Chris Paul more of like the Draymond of this team. Obviously, he puts up better numbers than Draymond, but his impact is very similar. Well, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. As uh, My terms of valuable doesn't mean best player. Valuable means... If you're off the floor, is your team screwed? That's what I mean by valuable. I mean, obviously, that could you should just give it to LeBron every year. But now LeBron has Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis, if LeBron were to miss some time, that Anthony Davis alone should be able to carry that team to the to the playoffs. True. All right, so we got our MVPs. Rookie of the year, who you got? Rookie of the year? Uh, I'm going to go with LaMelo. I think he's going to... I love what I'm seeing from him. I know limited time in playoff game. He hasn't scored in the preseason that I can remember. He's, I think he's just the most NBA ready compared to all the other guys. The other guys who were in college, they didn't get to play in the March Madness. They didn't get to play those pressure games in the conference championships. They didn't get to play in March Madness. James Wiseman hasn't played in over a year as much as I think he should put up some great numbers being the center on that Warriors team. I think LaMelo, even though he's not going to make the playoffs, he's been playing against grown men since he was 16. And now now he finally has his own big boy muscles, and he's putting on a show already. I, I think he'll be rookie of the year. I like the pick. I'm going to go a little bit different direction because I just feel like he's probably the favorite, and understandably so. I got Killian Hayes with the Pistons. I and be happy for the Pistons to win anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. They'll okay, take rookie of the year. But I, I mean, have no idea what they're doing. He he's he's very likely going to start from the beginning. Lamelo probably won't, and I think him getting that head start will help him. It'll be a very similar to like when you had um, John Morant. When, when Zion, obviously it was due to injury, but Zion, when he came out there, it was like, oh my goodness, like you're amazing. You would be a freak of the year, but I got a head start on you. Exactly. I mean, 
Did they give rookie of the year to Joel Embiid when he came in and only played like 18 games? No, they gave it to Brogdon. Uh, yeah, I remember that. So yeah, they, they there's a precedent. There is a precedent for that. Right. Um, do you have a in most improved player? Most improved player? Uh, I got I got a dark horse one. I got Kevin Love. Oh. Can be. I, uh, people are sleeping on him. I. Maybe we we I don't think we're gonna see Minnesota Kevin Love, but I think he's healthy now. I don't think the team's gonna be that much of a playoff threat, but I do think he, he can he can return to scoring 20, 20 and ten a game. After, I mean, they really need him to. I mean, he's got a huge contract. They kind of should have him do that. <laughs> Ooh, that was a that one kind of shocked me. I was gonna go with somebody that needed to have that type of season. And I was going to say Laurie Markkinen or Marvin Bagley. Like, I think those two guys, they need to have a great season this year. And I kind of can see it. Or even Alonzo. Definitely Laurie Markkinen with the Bulls drafting uh, what? P.J. Washington is his name? Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams. P.J. Washington's a complete other player. I'm, that's my bad. <laughs> Patrick Williams. I'm a bad Seminole. Uh, I... When you draft, when the team drafts a guy who plays your position with a really high pick, that's going to put some pressure on him. I, I always, I loved Laurie Markin in his rookie year. I thought this guy was, you know, the new Dirk, and he, he still can be that, but he had a really bad year last year. He needs to turn that around. Absolutely. Um, well, that was all we have for you guys today. Um, Alex, plug your social media. Uh, I got a new handle now. It's bad. But it's better than the last one. It's uh, at Tater, T-A-T-E-R underscore Joe, uh, with the O being a zero. And then there'll be this guy right here. <laughs> um, uh, I'm oh, noticing I'm getting more followers now. I don't know if that's your people or, you know, the, the Russian porn bots. Either way, I appreciate it. <laughs> couldn't tell you. Um, but, I mean, it's always nice to get more followers. For me, you guys can follow me at – Buckley on air. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y on air. And that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we out. Peace.